We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Pack of Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Packaday Podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. My name is Dan Kotnick, and joining me today, uh, one of my usual co-hosts every other Tuesday, we're playing this this round-robin game again. And I think, Eli, this is the first time out of like out of like the different pairings and, and weird things that we've done that it's just a you and me. Like, this is yeah, like the first I, time. It's just the boys' club. Well, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to to be a part of this, uh, yeah, two-man show tonight, and it's it's going to be a good one. It is going to be a good one. If I mention it, it's Eli Berkovitz joining uh, joining me, uh, as he does usually every other Tuesday here on the Pack-A-Day podcast, our little team. And uh, Eli, like, literally before, before 4 p.m. Eastern today, I thought we were going to just spend most of our time talking about Another really great Packers win on Sunday and looking forward to a tricky Thursday night game against the Cardinals. And then four o'clock came and the news broke that Devontae Adams has been placed on the COVID reserve list. Um, we, We don't know for sure the details and everything behind that because it's not released by the team or the players under the CBA. So we don't know if he's actually tested positive or it's come in contact. I think there's some inkling that if he's he's said that he's fully vaccinated, so if he's been placed on this list, it means that it was a positive test. And so if that's the case, there's like a slim chance that he could still play Thursday if the negative but it, it, there's so much it's really just the the news breaking on Monday on a victory Monday ahead of a short game against probably the toughest opponent you've had so far this year uh, and your number one wide receiver, the number one wide receiver in the league is doubtful to, to play. And so I, I know what your response was in the Twitter DM when I, when I sent you the news. That it happened. <laughs> no, yeah, don't say that. <laughs> I won't say, I won't say that, but, but if you could articulate in a more PG friendly way, <laughs> your thoughts and emotions when that news came down. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I was, I think I was just heading out because I'm about to jump in my car. It's something to do. And then all of a sudden I just get bomb called for my brother. And I was like, like anytime that happens, I know it's bad. So I just stopped everything I was doing. And I literally like took like a, like a breath and I was like, all right, mentally prepare. What is this going to be? And he told me, and literally just like, I felt like my stomach just turned into knots. Like, obviously, you know, we've, we've dealt with stuff like, you know, the Bakhtiari injury Mm -hmm. where I don't know where like more, more crushing kind of out of nowhere news, but to see Devante who, you know, I just, just uh, this past week on open book uh, when me, Zach and Jen were live here in LA, I said, you know, Devante, I think is the MVP of this team right now. 
because I think really this offense runs through him and he is just so unbelievably important and inexpendable really to what this offense tries to do week in and week out. So for this to happen, I mean, it just sucks. It just really like, you know, there's nothing you could really do as a player, you know, there's just, it's one of those things where we're living in a time where that we never really had before. And now out of nowhere, you know, he's healthy and then boom, all of a sudden COVID unlikely to play. And it's just, it's scary, you know, kind of opens your eyes and shows that, you know, like last year, for the most part, knock on, you know, it was very nice. We didn't really have too many issues with it. And now all of a sudden, one of our premier players are, are is dealing with COVID. And it really makes you think, you know, like just, just basically praying that this is still an isolated situation between Devante and then Joe Barry, who I'm sure you were going to get to. Uh, because I mean, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing worse, obviously. I don't even want to say it, but any kind of outbreak or any, like, you know, we don't even want to get there. Yeah. And I, I think, um, if you were, I, I don't want to make this into this, but if you were on the fence about, well, do vaccines actually work? I would say that this is a pretty good case of why they're so important. Because yeah. like you said, if this happens last year, which the, which the Packers did run into a small issue, ironically before their Thursday night game against the San Francisco 49ers last year. Mm -hmm. Um, If that happens last year, you're, you're praying that half of your team isn't going to be out. Like, you know, when the Broncos had to run a wide receiver out there, a quarterback, exactly. you you know, coming into this year, you're not as worried about it because, you know, a, a vast super majority of players have been vaccinated. And even if these are breakthrough cases, the chances of a huge spread is, is less likely. Um, It still doesn't, it still doesn't change the fact that you're going to be down, you know, arguably the best wide receiver in the last 20 years for the Packers, even, you know, like it's a huge, it's a huge loss if he's not there. And then you mentioned Joe Barry. I know Packer fans may, you know, the, the the jury's still a little bit more out on Joe Barry as you know the importance to some Packer fans, but to not have your defensive coordinator there is a huge loss, especially the way that the defense has been playing in recent weeks. Um, that that just it it never it never helps to have uh, your defensive coordinator out for a game like this, especially yeah. on a quick turnaround on Thursday night. Um, and, you know, and like I said, it is it is odd that it was again the Thursday night game that the Packers are dealing with this issue. They did it last year against the 49ers when what I think uh, we had Aaron. It was it was something. It was Aaron Jones, right, or was it Jamal Williams that was? I out think of, I think it was AJ Dillon and Jordan. That's White. right. You're right. Yeah, there was and we were and we were worried that the whole running back group was going to exactly. Get, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, so again, uh, that's that's kind of the talk around here. And I I almost have so I come at this again from a much more nihilistic standpoint um, than most Packer fans. Mm-hmm. I I I I was kind of going into Sunday saying if you can if you can go into Sunday's game against Washington and not play not play Preston Smith, not play MVS, not play King, you know, all these guys that are dealing with these sort of lingering injuries go in there and get the win without those guys. I'm more comfortable going into Thursday night against Arizona and giving those guys an extra 10, 12 days of rest by not playing them against Arizona. And if we have to sacrifice that game to the scheduling gods, I don't like going in with it. I'm not trying to go in with a defeatist mentality, but I can stomach a loss in that situation a little bit easier than I would if let's say they try to run back these guys a little bit faster, they go in, they get re-hurt and they, and they still end up losing if that makes sense, you know? And so when Devontae Adams goes out, it kind of gives me sort of a, like not a freeing feeling, but sort of like, okay, now if the Packers win, it comes to me as more of a happy surprise than it is, if they went in with with him and the, and Kim, and the yeah, team the rest be of the more way. You know like, what I mean? Yeah, it would, look, it would obviously still be a tremendous win, even with right. Devontae. I, yeah, I've, I've definitely heard what you're saying, where it's 
And look, you never want to. And I, I'm I'm far from counting the Packers out. Look, Rodgers yeah. and all over Twitter. I mean, we've seen his stats when Devontae's out, and I believe mm-hmm. he's six and zero and just dominant, like seventeen touchdowns, one pick, just regular Aaron Rodgers dominance essentially. So I'm far from saying, you know, they can't win this game with Devontae. But like you said, it's almost like you go in, you're missing kind of your best player, you know, outside of Rodgers, of course. And in a way, it's like, you know, I guess it's you never want to fall back on stuff. But at the same time, you'll know, like, all right, you know, we weren't really at full strength. And not that every team always is. But I also like, you know, agree with what you said, though, with a with a win, though, like if they could win this game with the adversity of not having Devontae, huge. I think it's such a major, yeah, exactly. It's a huge confidence booster for whoever it's going to be. And even if it's just you know, an Aaron Jones night where he just goes off, even still, like any whoever ends up contributing, and if they could somehow win without Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the league, the biggest part of that offense, that then I think we could look at this team and say, okay, wow, like even when there's – forget – we don't have Devante in the, when we're talking about double teams and you have to look elsewhere the whole game. He's not even on the field. You're playing the only undefeated team in the NFL and you come out with a win that gives you a ton of confidence and everyone around saying outside of Devante, who you obviously already had a ton of confidence in. No, I, I totally agree with you. And again, that's, there's no reason to count the Packers out for all the stuff that you just said is, you know, going in, going like, I, I think of, uh, of Dallas what, that two two years ago where they go in without Devontae Adams and everyone kind of starts to write them off a little bit and they and they shocked the, they shocked the world basically uh, you know to a certain extent yeah. like you know that's a game that they weren't expected to win and so I I think more for me it's it's the fact that it's a Thursday night game it's on the road and it's in a it's two was it two three I think they're I think they're mountain time it, it's a yeah. couple time zones away. It, that's that's a rough ask for a completely healthy team to begin with, and you know when you throw in the fact that you've got Kyler Murray still running around there, and, th- and that's something to be to look at too is Arizona's you know not exactly the the picture of health either, yeah. um, you know, and they're getting I think they they're getting like Chandler Jones back this week, um, you know, it, it's it, it's still a tough task, and so just you know adding this news on top of it it. It was kind of taken one or one or two ways. Some some Packer fans are like me, where they're kind of like, "All right, if if anything good happens, great." And other Packer fans, it's more of a uh, you know the world ending kind of situation or, or you know whatever. But I, I think I, I think what we can all agree on is as long as Aaron Rodgers comes out and plays in this game, the Packers have a chance to win this thing. Exactly, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have twelve, you always have a chance. Just exactly. that simple. Yeah, and uh, not to not to say that I I picked up Alan Lazard this week, Aaron, on my on my fantasy team. If you want to have an Alan Lazard game, totally yeah. fine with it. Totally okay with that. Yeah, you know this you week go. after uh, buying again, I actually started Alan Lazard this week. So did I. I had to. How real, real good. <laughs> I I was I not to I'm I gotta you, you know I know people don't care about your fantasy league, but. I had a, I literally had to stream. I, I I had a streaming option where Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones are my quarterback running back, and I'm like, do I really? I'm like, I really gonna have to start Alan Lazard in here too? Like this is bye week hell, and then Alan Lazard comes out as the game he had this past week, and he's actually it leads right into our stock up. He's one of my stock ups for this for week. Sure. It, it was awesome to see finally like the Alan Lazard, Alan Lazard, and I'll I'll throw I, I might I might be stealing one of yours, Eli, but Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon. Mm-hmm. Finally coming out and having their game, and I think it was, it was so apropos to hear Greg Olson on the commentary yes. in the game talking about how their their responsibilities have changed because they're being asked to be in the blocking game more. You know, they're they're relying mm-hmm. on Robert Tunyon to be you know that blocker. Al Lazard's being out there as being more that that you know set the edge kind of kind of guy, and then to have them all of a sudden like break open and it was like the game plan almost for them either like it just it changed drastically and they were finally we finally saw like i i don't know if it's because of just like flow of the game the way things were were going 
or or what, but it was like all of a sudden the second half, the, the adjustment was made and Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon had the game that we've seen them have you know, in like the past Last year ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, definitely those were two guys, I, I, yeah, that I definitely had in my list of stock ups, and it's just nice to see it. Number one, I, I didn't like – Tunyon, obviously, outside of the Detroit game, has been a near non-factor this year. So just seeing him get back involved is really nice because he had the breakout year last year, and you didn't want – I mean, I didn't think it was fake, and then I was I was at maybe at least probably 10 different practices during training camp this year, and every single ball that went in the direction of Tunyon he caught, and a lot of them were spectacular catches. So I was expecting him to build off last season – and I know people will just look at, oh, 11 touchdowns. Like, look, 11 touchdowns isn't going to happen every year, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy to see he got more involved in the offense, target-wise, reception-wise, all that. And then, yeah, like you said, Alan Lazard, there's no reason he ever should have really not been involved. Like, he was kind of a wide receiver, too, along with MVS going into the year anyway. And I was we know how good of a blocker he is, so we know that's a big part of his role. But seeing him being used as a receiver – was very nice because also it shows like him and Rogers still have that chemistry and especially in a game Thursday night where he might not have not have Devante. I'm sure Rogers is feeling a lot more secure in both Tanya and Lazard as being very used targets on Thursday night, and he probably feels a lot better th- today than maybe he did a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, again, it's just it's nice to see that you know. You mentioned you mentioned uh, like the like not showing up, but really just not showing up in the stat line is what you know what I mean. Like I, yeah. you know that's um, you know that's just something like it's the the, the same. It, it's just the offense was working differently, and it's nice to like you said, it's nice to see that when the game plan had to change, or they decided to change the game plan and focus or or have plays that involved offensive production from Lazard and Tunyon more, that they were able to still get into like get into that rhythm right away yeah, they didn't exactly. need a game or two or a quarter to or a drive to get in they it was just like they went from oh you need us to block fine oh, oh now now okay now we can run we're gonna run this post you know to the corner of the end zone with tunyon perfect i'm i'm here so it, it's nice to see that these guys are just they they might have been dormant for a little bit in terms of stat production but they are still 100 percent committed in and and fully in rhythm from where they were the, with the production they had last year. Yeah, and I really like just to, you know, I really like that point just in general. I feel like this year, like last year, there was so much, I feel like so much of our best plays and so much of our production came simply off Matt LaFleur's scheme. And then this year maybe seemed a little bit more like get the ball to Devontae, get the ball to Devontae, or get it to Jones, get it to Jones. Right. And right. now Thursday night, and, you know, I put it on Twitter, I think, you know, kind of like the biggest thing going into Thursday night is – Bottom line, Matt LaFleur, we've seen you scheme together tremendous games, whether with Devontae or without, but including without and win games. And I brought up the example of last year going into New Orleans, beating the Saints without Devontae. And a ton of that was with scheme. Alan Lazard had two huge catches in that game, and he was pretty open on both of them because, again, it was great play calls and scheme by by LaFleur, Robert Tunyon caught a touchdown in that game, wide open in the end zone. Again, great scheme. So Thursday night, as much of a test and a testament to the other receivers on this team and tight ends it's going to be, I think it's LaFleur's chance to shine in a way where if they could go into Arizona, beat the only undefeated team in the league without Devontae, then, and we're going to assume obviously that means the offense – looked good and scored a, a pretty nice amount of points. Mm-hmm. That is a huge, huge, you know, tip of the cap, I would say, you know, to LaFleur because it's going to be a lot more scheme-based as opposed to simply you're talented as hell, get you the ball. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's move on. Uh, Eli, do you have a – Do I'll give you the floor here. Do you have a, a stock up that you want to to highlight next? Um, a stock up – I mean, I think, I think Razul Douglas is low-key – you know, yeah. now that he's, he seems to have picked up the defense better and he is making plays and, and, and more importantly, he's not a liability, which when you're picking up someone in the middle of the season and throwing them into a new defense, sometimes they could be that guy that anyone, every offense, oh, they see him on the field, target him, target him, target him. 
but he hasn't been that. He's been he's been solid and just a veteran, someone that you know I feel like I feel like pretty comfortable and safe with him on the field because even if it's a younger like if it's a rookie like I'm a huge fan of Shamar Jean, uh, Shamar John Charles. I'm sorry, um, but like I'm I was very high on him coming out of going into the draft and when we got him I was very excited and look he's still a rookie we obviously haven't seen a lot out of him but. Like and you know what that we haven't seen a lot out of him because of a guy like Rizul Douglas, who's a veteran. You put him in, and you could just feel a lot more comfort in knowing someone who is just more experienced and going to be where he has to be. So I do think Douglas has made some nice strides, and also uh, I can't believe I'm saying like, I mean I feel like Dean Lowry is making plays almost every week, and I'm not even yeah. just talking about him catching that fumble. Like he seems to be making, he's getting pressure on the quarterback. He's making tackles, and I'll I, you know I'll admit like I was someone very openly anti Dean Lowry <laughs> slash Tyler Lancaster, and they've kind of shut me up a little bit, and I like it. Yeah, uh, the the Lowry one, especially, yeah, um, huge because I mean that's he he's just been quietly quietly having like a a pretty decent season like it's he's he's doing he's doing essentially what you would want a guy like dean lowry to do you know he's not making the splash plays he's not going out and leading the team in sacks or being a game breaker he's being he's being slightly above average and that's that's what you want from a guy like dean lowry and before this year we really didn't see that he was, you know, he was playing below his level. And when he, when you're, yeah. when your your floor is already so low, you can't play, you know, lower than, lower than that. So yeah, you're yeah. right. And then, and the result Douglas one, I mean, that's um, like, that's quietly been like a huge find for, for the Packers because Jalen, Jalen Smith and Whitney Merciless. Big, your half top. You know, big, huge uh, signings, you know, or I should say in terms of, you know, what the Packers usually do, they're they're big, huge signings, you know. But like Razul Douglas, you mentioned him just coming in. I think you hit it right in the head when he's not a liability. How many think of how many cornerbacks we've run through the last 10 years or so that you're just you're always worried about. Them being out there, uh, you know? Ladarius Gunter. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ladarius Gunter. Um. Oh, what Quentin Rollins? Like Quentin that. Rollins. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Like, to he had yeah. that that pass interference that he drew was some oh, of the weakest stuff. I <laughs> in a season mind. of weak so calls, crazy. that was pretty dang weak. Yeah, it's. I think I probably said this two weeks ago on on the show when we were on last, and I know I'm sure I've said on open book since, but I mean, officiating this year, and I'm not just talking about Packer games, I watch almost every game or as much football as I can. It's just the worst officiating I've ever seen, really, that I can remember in my life on a consistent week-to-week, game-to-game basis. It's just awful, awful calls, and it's really uh, it's to for me to the point where it, very soon they need to just start having the booth when it comes to penalties you can't have a long challenge in this but, but they need to figure out something that's going to take it out of just an impulse call from a ref because i'm sorry that look i get it you're human you're not perfect but when you make an awful call or miss a huge call and for, you know, the biggest example, I guess, in recent, we could talk about, let's say, you know, the Saints in the championship game where the right. whole passing interference, like, that cost them. I mean, that's obviously an extreme example, but still, you lose a game in week six, that could, that could keep you out of the playoffs off a bad call well, for all you know. You know? Well, well think, about, think about it with this one. He makes that play on third down. If they don't give – if he makes that play, no flag – the defense is off the field. The Packers get the ball back. They give him the they give they give the flag. Keep the drive alive. What happens on the next play? Rizul oh, Douglas gets injured. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got hurt. Yeah. You know, and 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 thankfully it didn't seem like a big one. He came back in. It just seemed like it was a bit of a stinger. But what if that's a Jair Alexander type play? 
where exactly. now he's missing three, four, five, six weeks because you missed a call and put that defense back out. I know that we we play sort of sliding doors with that, where you know you could talk about this, this, and this, but that is that's a very concrete A to B example of the yeah. smaller ramifications that a play like that, a missed call like that, can have. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And look, you're just every play in the NFL. Unfortunately, every all 22 players on the field. Anything can happen, and everyone's at risk. And right. you know, to have a, a drive, let alone one play, but then you know, a whole new series on on a call that never should have been made, like not even close. It was such it was such a brutally awful call. But yeah, it just you're putting players at risk, you're putting games at risk, team seasons at risk, and that's why I just think, look, refs refs are going to be refs. There's no way we could say, well, get better refs. They're still going to be human, and they're still going to make mistakes, and we're still going to be mad. So in my opinion, you basically, it's got to start coming from the booth eventually. I just, I can't watch games get decided by refs anymore. It's just, it's so frustrating. A team puts in so much work, and 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 they end up with an with a with a with a loss because of an awful call and it doesn't have to be with two minutes left in the fourth quarter like you said I mean yeah balls and drives throughout like it, it changes if they would have went down and scored on that drive who knows who knows how the, you know the, the momentum and everything could have shifted the pack we did end up getting a stop on that drive but just overall yeah I mean officiating it just it's it's so brutal to watch it's, it's kind of embarrassing honestly from from professional and officials embarrassing. Yeah. And the, for me, it's, you know, one more just point on this before we move on. It, it, I, I don't care so much about the stoppages or the anything. I mean, like if you have a, if you have one or two guys up in the booth that are sitting there, one's watching the play on the field, one's watching the live feed from the, the TV, you know, yeah. and you're, you're, you're having both those guys watching, they're talking, they're looking at everything together you can make that decision, like you said, under under 45 seconds to a minute where you call exactly. down and say like, hey, you know, you guys missed this. Trust us. Like, like, here's the call in the field. You need to change it. Bam. Yeah. Reverse yeah. it. Yeah. It's done. You know, yeah. and if, if the refs on the field try to do it, that's when you really get the delays. Right. When they're meeting and they're talking and it's right. this and it's that. You don't have to do it. Like, they're, we're, we're just fans. You know, we don't know the rules inside out, but we're watching on TV and we know when it's either a bad call or a missed call. So have a professional, like you said, sitting in the booth, looking at the same broadcast, seeing all the angles, whatever it is. And, yeah, like you said, within 30 seconds to a minute, boom, there you go. Oh, you missed that. Or, you know what, no, that was a bad call. Pick up the flag. Right. And, because and that has that, to just be more normal. Because that that's really the that's really the chunk. And I, we're spending so much more time on this point. But it's such a hot – but it's 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 been happening every single week. Yeah, um, it was the one thing – yeah, but it's, it's it, really good. We're eight weeks into the year, and it's, yeah. it's always happening. It, I mean, it's for me, it's really just the big ones, like the penalties, pass interference, roughing the passer. The ones yeah. that, where they showed the replay and instantly you're like, that's the wrong call. You make those calls, you're you're instantly changing 50% of these, of these terrible calls – and that's a huge that's a huge win for the the fans and for the NFL, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I will combine my last two uh, stock ups for the for this game this past week, and uh, I'm staying on the defense with this, it, and I got to go Rashawn Gary, and mm. then on top of that with the red zone defense because we have to highlight absolutely. the red zone defense finally getting. A stop, not just not one. Give him the LeBron, not one, not <laughs> two, but three yeah. red zone stops this week. Um, granted, helped out immensely by Taylor Heineke. Not, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. Just like if you're gonna if you're gonna run into the end zone, that run into so the funny. end zone, dude. <laughs> you know what? Like when, when he did it live, I was I was actually I was with uh, Jen who is not yeah. with us tonight, who's obviously with us most weeks. And also Jamie, uh, who I'm sure many oh, yeah. people know across Packers Twitter. So we were watching the game, and right when I saw it, I was like, I think he might have got down a little bit too early there. And then they showed the replay, and it really was very clear that he was down. And but and it was just, I mean, it was, look, it was very funny. I'm not, it was just funny that, you know, you're, you're basically in. I don't even think he needed to slide. Like, I don't think – I think right. Savage was the guy closing in. Savage is a smart enough player. He wasn't going to lay out a QB a yard into the end zone. 
Heineke just simply went down for close to no reason. But more importantly, and back to the point you brought up, absolutely. The red zone defense, Hugh, I mean, we've given it, what was it, before this, I think it was 15 or 16 straight touchdowns. I think it was 16 coming into the yeah. – I think it was 16 coming into that first touchdown that they scored. So I think it ended officially at 17 with a streak. Well, the first touchdown they scored, though, was a long touchdown. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. So I guess 16. But, yeah, still, after 16 in a row, and it's just like, are you going to ever make a stop? Right. And then, like you said, not one, not two, but three stops. And they looked just outside of really that one big play to McLaurin, the defense overall, I think, had a great game. And I keep saying this, but I think quietly, because, you know, I think week one – was like so jarring yeah. that it's taking us a full six weeks to like be like, you know what? Get that out of your head because looking at every single week, look, we gave up 10 points this week. Last week it was 14. Cincinnati at 22. Like we're not giving up a lot of points. And it's very impressive, especially considering we're missing Jair. We missed Zedarius the entire season. We held Pittsburgh under 20. I mean, we held Detroit under 20. I know Detroit's Detroit, but they start, you know, they had 17 in the first half, didn't score a single point the second half. The Packers have only given up more than 22 points twice the whole year. And one was week one and then versus San Francisco. And of course, they won that game. But like Joe Barry, you know, people need to get, like, I don't know if people are still on his back, but I know people, like you said, are still on the fence about him. But I'm definitely leaning on the right side of the fence about Joe Barry because. He's making things work with a lot of adversity and a lot of injuries. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota, going to be heading west for that game. Attending my first game in the new Vikings stadium, cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
Yeah, and it, it, that's that's the key right there. The injuries and invert like having guys like Razul Douglas and Isaac Adam coming in, trying to learn this system and throwing them out there, having them run stuff out there. Jalen Smith, Whitney Merciless. I know those guys, you're not asking them to do a whole lot. You're basically just kind of unhooking them from the leash and saying, you know, run run loose and run crazy on the quarterback to, to a certain extent. But still to have them involved in the defense and knowing what's going on, that's that's huge to have to have that in there. And I think that, you know, with the injuries of that speaks to my other one that I highlight is Rashawn Gary. He's he is showing everybody this year. I, I think he did it last year, but I think this year even more so, showing everybody why why this team was so high on him when they drafted him. Yeah. You know, like he's he's now essentially your number one pass rusher with Preston Smith and said, heck, even when Preston Smith is out yeah, there, so I think, yeah, Rashawn is still, I think, your number one pass rusher. He's up there, you know, graded up with Max Crosby and, and Joey Bosa in terms of pressure rate, uh, quarter, you know, quarterback hurries, quarterback pressures, sacks. I mean, he's. Yeah, I mean, right now he's. He's right now, exactly yeah, what you want out of a first round pick. Yeah, he's literally right now next to guys like Miles Garrett. Yeah. Shaq Barrett, Max Crosby. I mean, he's at the top of the league in almost every big st- statistic for an edge rusher, top five across the board. And like you said, yeah, you know, I mean, I still remember Mike Smith's quote when they drafted him that he was running up and down the hallway screaming and yelling like he couldn't even <laughs> believe he couldn't believe that that he felt that he fell that far. And I know a lot of people were, you know, not necessarily thrilled with the pick, but you know what? Not every pick is you know, week one, game one, year one, you're going to break out automatic. But Gary, they knew the potential was there. And it's and I think this is a big testament to Mike Smith because, you know, look, you're, from, you're making the NFL. There's always potential. It's about getting the potential out of the player. And Mike Smith has done that incredibly well with Rashawn Gary. We're in year three now, and he is fully – yeah, it's year three, right? Or is yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, we're year three now. And he's here, like he has arrived. And I think what is he? He's here and he's beautiful, or whatever, or he's perfect, <laughs> whatever it is. I, I mean, he's so like his his blend of speed and power is something that I think I just haven't seen a lot. Like you see Preston, a ton of strength, not necessarily so fast. Zadari, I mean, I think Gary's very similar to Zadarius, and I think that's what they were envisioning when they drafted him. Someone that is super quick but also very, very powerful. And, yeah, he might not have the most sacks in the league, but we all know what the Packers' defense is about, affecting the quarterback, and he affects the hell out of the quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And I, I will – look, I will be I will be right in the camp. I will say on draft night I was one of the guys I, – I literally tweeted – I was trying to find it. I don't know if I deleted it or if I misspelled Gary's name wrong and I can't find it in my search history, but – I I did not like the pick when it happened. I, I yeah, was Yeah, I'll, I'll admit I, I look when it came to there I was like okay, Brian Burns is the clear pick here. Right. I, that's what I was looking at and then it yep. was Gary. I wasn't necessarily like like some people were, were absolutely losing their mind. I was more like damn, like I probably would have gone Burns especially <laughs> when they then after the draft said that they're really looking at Gary as more of an edge rusher as opposed to a hybrid. And then I was really like, well, Burns like has off the edge is incredible, but they knew what they were doing. Much like a lot of times with the Packers, we think they might be a little bit crazy. And then all of a sudden we're all eating our words and they know a lot more than us. And yeah. Gary's a perfect example of that. You, you know what it you know what it might be is, and I say this with all due respect to the man, but it I think it was Ted Thompson PTSD. Because how many times did you see a Ted Thompson pick like that? Like yeah. Quentin Rollins for perfect yeah. example where they where they Jones. Josh Jones where they take the guy and they they want to develop him they take the guy because they think they've evaluated the talent correctly and it doesn't pan out and that's what it felt like when the when the pick came was he's a guy that people weren't exactly sure on they knew that he had the raw ability but could it be crafted could it be honed in an NFL system and I was just – it's that PTSD of, of, of so many of those other picks going wrong. Dayton Jones, you know, all, all of these yeah. first-round picks. Yeah. Um, and, and, but, but he has – they've done it – they've done it perfectly 
with Rashawn, getting the Smith brothers to, to not have to rush him in there. You know, it's, there's just the whole situation has worked out perfectly for him. He's doing exactly what you want out of him in this defense now. And it's just all the pieces for him are coming together. And it's awesome. Awesome to see it. Yeah, pan out like yeah, this. It was, it was really the best example of a, of a long-term outlook on that. Pick. Yep. They weren't thinking today. Yep. They were thinking this guy, like you just said, and it's, it's a really literally thinking for this week of the season, like this day, this yeah. is what they were thinking about. Yeah, no, but just knowing that you could come in, and he's not going to be rushed into a huge premier right. role. You have the Smith Bros. He can learn from them, and he has the chance to, you know, because a lot of rookies, they come out, and they, if they're not great right off the bat, they lose confidence. Next thing you know, they're done, they're gone, and that it's a, it's a busted pick. But he didn't have to be thrown into any kind of fire. He had two great veterans to learn from, and we're seeing the results, and they've just been tremendous. So, yeah, definitely stock up on Rashawn Gary and, like you said, the red zone defense in general. And I guess for – I think I had one more stock up. Who was – oh, Kingsley Kiki. Like, I feel like he is is finally starting to show – like, when they drafted him, I was very, very excited about the pick. Mm-hmm. And he's had – what's weird with Kiki is that it seems like when he has a game, he has a game. He goes yeah. – and then a lot of times he'll be he'll kind of just get lost and just disappear. But he's been a bit more consistent where it's not always has to be a huge game and then a nothing game. He just seems to be a more consistent player. And and like you said with Lowry and now with Keith, like knowing that these aren't even our like our number one guys. We got them behind Kenny Clark, and we just need them to do specific things at specific times, and they're doing their job. It's it's really it's comforting to see, and it's nice to know that Kenny Clark doesn't have all the pressure on him. And also, you know, TJ Slayton, it might have been on special teams. Oh, yeah. but damn, when's the last time we got a block? I think, and I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, Can no, you I, 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 when's I, the last I, time you got a field goal? No clue, but it's exactly. that same. I mean, I ask that question probably every single week when someone lines up for a field goal. I'm like, when's the last time we blocked a freaking field goal? Yeah. And, then, and it haven't happened like that. Like Slayton just, I mean, that's you, you talk about, you could actually say this a lot about all of these defensive linemen is they're sort of following this same, the Dean Lowry game plan where you want them to, you don't want that. You don't need them to be more than they are. You just need them to be yeah. what they are consistently. And you're exactly. starting to see that out of these guys, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's definitely very nice to see just knowing your role and yep. maximizing it. Exactly. Um, okay. It was, I don't know about you. It was hard for me to find stock downs. Um, I think there's one. I think there's one kind of clear I, one. Yeah. I, um, let me look at my list. The same page. I'm saying if you have one written down, but if not, I, I will let, I will let, I'll let you take it. I'll let you take it. Cause mine are, mine are a little bit more generic. I, I was, I, I was having trouble. So mine are, mine are a little bit more vague. I would broad say ones, so I'll let you take this. The one that stuck out to me the most would be AJ Dillon uh, with two fumbles, one loss, yeah. one not, but just overall his lack of effectiveness. I mean, First off, I mean the run game itself. Maybe that was your stock that, down. That was uh, my the run the running back group as a whole. Exactly. The running game, everything was just it not was just clicking. Bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking right now. I mean, uh, Amari. Oh no, not Amari. I'm sorry. Aaron Rodgers was second on the team in rush yards with 17. Yeah. And the leader was Jones with six with 19. But again, he only had six carries. So I don't know why they were so they were just clearly not going to be running the ball that game. I guess it was a scheme thing. They saw Washington's secondary as a weakness and it clearly worked. So I'm not necessarily complaining, but Dylan between the fumbles and just not, just not seeing the normal AJ Dylan performance that we're used to. And look, you know, it wasn't a great game, but I think we all have a ton of confidence in AJ Dylan as an RB two and as a change of pace back with Aaron Jones. But you know, especially in the situation when he fumbled, like knowing that that was just kind of a put away drive. Rogers just hit Mercedes on like a 20 yard pass. Felt like we could have gone at least put up another field goal, maybe even a touchdown and really, really cement like a solid ass win. And then he, you know, he kind of held the ball up and and, and just exposed the ball to a potential fumble. Mm-hmm. And when you're up by multiple scores late in the fourth, you don't do that. Even if that means you're giving up a yard or two, you don't do it. You hold the ball as close, you know, you hold it low, you hold it to your chest, 
and you don't let it even be possible to slip out. And I just thought he wasn't as tech, uh, yeah, technically sound as he should have been. Yeah, and I mean the whole just yeah him him specifically because like you said with the fumbles and and everything like that was uh, you know there was the one down in inside like I think our to our own twenty on that on that pass catch and thankfully I, f- I forget who came in and uh it might have been lucas patrick came in and fell on the on the ball uh to, yeah, to recover huge it huge yeah play. huge um but yeah just like the running game like, it just seemed every time they ran there were no holes you know it was yeah, it was there yeah. was and there was no there was no push there was no pile it was any of any time it was you know getting caught from the side and going down for two three yards like there was no breakthrough point in there at all and I think I, I think part of it is I, I Aaron Rodgers and the passing game really like thank God that the the secondary was so bad and they were able to to bail him out that way because that that has just from a just from a like a uh, discrepancy standpoint of like that that much running versus or that little running versus that much passing. Usually, when we see that kind of stat line in a Packers game, that's one of those classic Matt Lafleur abandons the run too early, and the you know mm-hmm. they start getting to, uh, you know, they, they start climbing up. Rodgers, Adams, right? right. Yeah, but it was it felt yeah it did feel more almost look you never want to get it too much away from the run, but I never felt like they were simply avoiding it because it really yeah. wasn't there for them. And what I really love what they do, and this isn't anything new, but those flat routes that they run, basically an extension of the run game where they're just throwing it out usually to Devante with two right. blockers out in front of him. And even if it's only going to get three to four yards, who cares? If, if, if on first and 10 you're getting three, four yards out of a run, people aren't really going to complain. Right. So if on first and 10 it's, it's a little bit of a flat route, a screen, whatever it is, I'll take it. So obviously, you know, you don't want to, you know, have – the kind of rushing performance they had because it did not look good, but knowing that it wasn't necessarily just abandoning it. And it also wasn't a lot of times, if you see that stat line, it's because we're getting blown out and our defense has kind of screwed us and we're in a position where we have to pass, but it was really more, they clearly saw matchups they liked and, and they took advantage of it. And obviously we want the run to be better going forward, but it wasn't the kind of performance that, that really gives me any kind of nerves moving forward. I think it was more of a, an isolated yeah. situation. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the case with a lot of these stock downs that I was thinking of was like, well, is it really like a stock down? Because like, it, you know, it seemed like they were like, it was just kind of like you said with the running game, just sort of a, you know, it, it wasn't that it wasn't that they weren't going away from it. It was more that it just wasn't, getting the same amount of yards as as it usually does you know and so the threat is still there and it's still a part of the game plan but it was just there's you know the the stock downs are just kind of like they're pseudo they're more like stock evens you know like exactly just yeah just it wasn't plateau. maybe what we expect exactly maybe just not a actively great game right not necessarily like a bad one but right it was a good win bottom line you know this was this is number one i don't care about the record they're a good team they have a lot, a lot of talent on defense. They have talent on offense. And we basically, from the first drive, controlled that game. Yes, we gave up the touchdown on their first drive, and it was 7-7, but we went down pretty easily. Aaron Rodgers, let's just take a second to talk about him with that just in beautiful across-his-body yeah. throw oh. to Devontae, where it's like, you know what, all you all you Chiefs fans, all you Mahomes fans, <laughs> who thought it never existed before, I'm sorry, Rodgers been doing this for for 15 years, and he's not stopping anytime soon. Absolutely incredible. And as I watched it on the All-22, he was – the craziest thing is a lot of times if you even attempt that throw, you're going off your front leg and you're using a lot of your body to to push that power into the throw. And it seemed like he caught Devontae at the last second, and his body was – mid-air kind of as he made that throw, which shows just how much strength he has in his arm alone, letting let alone just his body. And yeah, just tremendous throw, tremendous play, and a great start. I feel like, you know, last year, every week we were starting off, our first drive was touchdown, 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 right. week after week. This year has not been the case, and it was very nice to see them start fast because, uh, yeah, I just, I think for the Packers specifically with, with their run game, 
and their defense not necessarily being elite. Again, I think it's not getting the credit it deserves, but it's not necessarily an elite defense. Fast starts are going to be important, and I was very happy to see that. Yeah, big time. Like you said, especially with the defense. They and that's why that's why the second second half of the defense that you've mentioned where they clamped down and they, they let up zero points, it's because the offense typically in the first half, maybe not holding a lead, but mm-hmm. but they're they're establishing everything to start to pull away in the second half. You exactly. know, or you know, to, and so that that's it. Just it works so well with each other. I, I only have two small other stock downs from this week. One is field goal protection again. Jeez, okay. I mean, oh, good! It, it's a pandemic in the NFL. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's every week. It seems like we're seeing more and more. Like, I don't know if I don't know if like something changed with the way offensive lines, like kicking, like the the field goal unit lines. Are, are blocking or if like some somebody has figured out like this secret formula for for getting pressure but it seems like just more and more extra points and field goals they're under way more pressure than they have been yeah. in years past and we're seeing more and more of this it's not just the Packers it's everybody but we only care about the Packers so exactly. so, so you know hold fast up there guys and let's give Mason a, a, a damn chance yeah I mean before it was the right end, you know, there was right. a free rusher off the right side. Every kick Mason had to to like snipe it past him. And that's why we saw the Cincinnati game where he was pulling a few kicks. But then this one, it was straight up the center. And whatever it is, like you said, it's, it's not just the Packers. It seems to be a bit of a, like you said, pandemic. They need to get it figured out because special teams, like, I feel like for years and years, you know, it's just an offense, defense. And then, yeah, special teams obviously is the third function of the game but i feel like special teams has really really become so much more important these last few years maybe it's because we've just not been good so i'm noticing it more like our kick coverage and our punk coverage but you got to be good at special teams people overlook it it is a huge phase of the game and a big play on special teams can change an entire outcome of a game and it's not hypothetical we've seen it happen plenty of times before whether it's a field goal being made being blocked being missed, a big return, whatever it is, special teams is is extremely, extremely important. And anyone who thinks it isn't, I'm sure this year is reevaluating that thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, my only other stock down goes to one nameless Packer fan sitting in the front row of Lambeau Field. Oh, I must have missed uh, this. What happened? Well, when Taylor Heineke jumped into the the stands after his so-called rushing touchdown and went <laughs> yeah. right for the one Washington fan sitting in the front there, jumps in, and who's right next to him but some other Packer fan who looks as if he's – like as, as if Aaron Rodgers had just jumped into his lap. Oh, no. He was and celebrating I'm, with him? He's well. He wasn't celebrating with the player, but it seemed like these two fans are there together. And I get that you're happy that your buddy's having a good time at Lambeau or whatever. And I know I literally think I sat in those seats for the Monday night game, those exact same seats. So I know how much I paid for those. I'm sure you paid a pretty penny for him too. And your buddy's happy that Taylor Heineke, you know, the best quarterback that Washington's had in the last decade or so, <laughs> is is jumping into his lap, and that's all super good. But dude. It is your God-given duty. If you're sitting in those seats, you push his yeah, bleep back out, out there. You give him two seconds to sit there and be fun, and you give him the shove out there. Or at least give a finger to the camera or something. Like, do something, yeah. man. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to advocate you throwing stuff on him because I, I don't like that. But, you know, let him know that you're sitting there, man. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. You, you should, yeah. If you're an opposing player – no reason whatsoever should you ever feel comfortable in the Lambo no. in the Lambo crowd. Absolutely not. I don't care. Yeah, he did find the one Washington fan there. Very nice. Get the hell out of our stands. You don't belong there. The right. only tiny sliver of a little bit, and I don't even know this. Actually, Jen pointed this out. And if she was on the show, she'd probably be very defensive of Heineke. <laughs> and it's because he did grow up a Packer fan and maybe, you know, it's been his lifelong dream to, to do a Lambo leap. And like you said, you want to sit there for a second or two, find the one Washington fan. Look, I'm never going to like it, but I'm not going to necessarily 
you know, blame, but yeah. you know, look, you know, that's what you do. You just score a touchdown and you know, you celebrate. But if you're a Packer fan, get that guy out of there ASAP. You do not sit around and just let him chill and be like, Oh, look at me in in the, doing a Lambo leap with a Washington jersey on. No, that's not yeah. acceptable. He gets he get you get the two second rule. Once your butt hits the wall, one to you're done get I'm, I'm at least at least even if he's like on his way off and you like sort of like push your like put your hand on his back like you're guiding guiding him out of there do something man but i saw that guy and he's sitting there chuckling it up like he's you know he, he's watching his buddy get his first lap dance at his bachelor party like it, <laughs> exactly. it was it was terrible to watch and i'm like yeah, oh, no. you gotta have a little bit more pride in the stands than that yeah, I must have missed that, but I'm happy I did because it would have it would have gotten under my skin real fast. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that stuck with me for a while. That was, <laughs> as you can tell. Yeah. Um. All right, Eli, wrap up. Do Do you have any other any other stock downs that you want to touch on before we before we close this out? I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Honestly, yeah. I think. I mean, you know, real quick, just you know, I was saying before this game on on open book with Zach and Jen that. I thought this would be the Packers' most complete performance. I predicted, I think, a 38 to like 17 win, and that's obviously not what happened. But in a way, it, it was close to our most complete yeah. game. I mean, with the way the defense played, the offense was never really shut down. Yeah, they didn't put up a ton of points, but they kind of did what they wanted to. And yeah, for the most part, very happy with that win because Washington, even with their record, they're not an easy win, and we kind of had control from the minute it started, so it was very good to see. Yeah, for sure. I would I would argue that that's probably the most all like all around all around complete performance from this team in all phases that we've seen so yeah. far this year. Um, all right, Eli, do you want to let the people know uh, where they can follow you? Obviously, they can follow Packaday Podcast at Packaday Podcast on on Twitter. Follow the YouTube channel. Give it a subscribe. Andy's got fresh new content up there daily as as well. Give us a, a five-star rating. Tell your friends. All of that stuff. Please, please, please. It helps us out so much when you tell your friends and give us a rating uh, wherever you listen. But, uh, Eli, anywhere that uh, – or you want to let the people know where they can find you and anything that you want to uh, promote this week? Yeah, definitely. Uh, first off, like you said, everyone make sure to follow Packaday Podcast on Twitter and subscribe on YouTube. You're not going to find much better Packer content out there, that's for sure. And uh, you can find basically all of my work I will put onto my Twitter page at bookofeli underscore NFL. And uh, you can find my writing at fantasypros and packerreport.com. And then every Wednesday night at 845 Central, me, Jen, who, of course, is our usual third here on the show, and Zach Jacobson, who I'm sure you all know, have open book on Game on Wisconsin. So check that out on a Wednesday nights. And other than that, uh, that's just about it. All right. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DK all the way if you so choose. Um, do some writing for uh, Game on Wisconsin over on their website, Uh usually on Fridays, have my article come out each week. And if you didn't read last week, I'm very, very pleased with myself <laughs> with what I wrote last week, a full-length uh, recreation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, but uh, about Aaron Rodgers as the goat and the story of one lone Bears fan suffering <laughs> torment by the goat Aaron Rodgers. So personally, I think it's the best – Thing I've ever written since I was in high school, um, but uh, you can follow any of that yeah, crap I'm over gonna, there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go find that legit. <laughs> I, I actually, when you said Edgar Allan Poe, I thought I was gonna get lost, but the Raven, I guess, is probably the most famous thing. But I do know that, oh, so yeah. I'm very excited to see your rendition of that. I'll be checking I, that. Out. I'm very I'm very proud of it. So I hope that you guys all all take a uh, take a read. Um, if you want more of that stuff, uh, every Friday I do it there, and then. Um, same with Eli. I'm on Wednesdays for Game On Wisconsin on the YouTube channel uh, at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central with Lombardi's Bar with me, Todd Varney, and Jimmy Christensen. So the the prelude into Open Book as well. It's a, the power hour of yeah. uh, the rock block of us going each Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. Yeah, Wednesday night as a Packer fan, head over to Game On Wisconsin yeah. and have a great time. Yeah, that's it's a, a nice little Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon kind of combination. Between exactly. us. I like it. Um, all right. For uh, for Eli, for myself, thanks for listening, everybody. As always, stay safe. And until we talk next time, take it easy and go back, go. Go back, go.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.